They went, they looked, they saw a few houses. One really stuck in that woman's mind because it was so different. It had an atrium right in the middle of the house. Very cool looking. She pictured having lots of parties in that house. Then she got sick. Really sick. So sick that even if she wanted to leave this man, she couldn't because she had nobody else. He became very instrumental in her well-being. He found her doctors. He took her to whatever hospital she needed to go to. He became an imprint in her life. The problem was she wasn't in love with him. She didn't feel she ever could be. And yet he would still buy her groceries or, you know, pay for a telephone bill or anything that went wrong he would fix. And now he was helping her with medicine. So she decided to tell the truth. She told him, hey, you are a great guy, a little bit demanding, but, you know, you've done some really nice things for me, but I want you to know I am not in love with you, and I, I just don't see it going that way. We're not that couple. So you might be wanting to look for somebody else right now. He said to her, hush, 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 everything in its time. Everything in its proper time. She sat back, weak from her illness, and said, okay. More time went by, he buys her that house. Not only does he buy the house, he takes her shopping for furniture. She says, if we're going to buy furniture, let's go to someplace very inexpensive. I don't need a lot. I can bring the sofa from my other house, and I have my bed, and I have my kitchen, and everything. He says, nonsense. Let's just look. It'll be fun. Well, they went, and they looked, and she showed him things that she thought were attractive, as a designer would, because she happened to have a flair, you know, for designing homes. And they left the store. Before you knew it, a moving truck showed up to the house that the man bought for her, unloaded all of the furniture that she had said she liked. This is all while she's undergoing treatment for her illness and continuing to tell him, you've got to stop this. He would grab her bill her MasterCard bill when she wasn't looking and pay it. He was like a dream come true, except he wasn't for her. It became suffocating. Imagine, it's like a fairy tale come true to find a gentleman that is so in love with you that will do anything for you that is worth millions of dollars. What woman would not want that to happen? And he continued to ask her to marry him every week. And she kept saying, no, this isn't right. I don't want the things you're giving me. It's just not right. He took care of her kids. He bought them cars. <laughs> this woman was in so deep at that point because her children had been watching what had been happening to her life, not understanding how all of a sudden she had all of these things and they didn't. And she was trying to hide the fact that these things were going on because she didn't want it to keep going on. She wanted it to end. But instead, he bought them all cars and had them delivered to the city that these children lived in. 
she would think to herself often, how did I get myself into this? And how in the world can I get myself out? He raised her up into a lifestyle of living, flying, first class, brand new house, a new house for her children in the other city, also furnished, paying her bills, all while she continued to say, this has to stop, this has to stop. He would not take no for an answer. The more he would continue to become that imprint that I explained, the more overbearing he became, the more overpowering, the more he would wrap his arms around her from the back and, and she would cringe because she felt like she was someplace she wasn't supposed to be. She didn't like the way he kissed her. That was one of her favorite things. There were just so many strikes against him in her mind, but he kept pushing and pushing and buying and showing and saying, give everything time. Push came to shove. The woman became better, physically stronger. She really did try and make the most of this relationship when she was feeling better because she felt this is the time. If she can pull it off now, if she can let go of those ill feelings, those non-romantic, sterile feelings that she had towards him, this would be the time to do it because she's in good health. She couldn't do it. She kept telling him the whole time the truth. We need to stop. It's just not working. He wouldn't listen. Then, about a year went by. They saw each other on the weekends, enjoyed each other's company, you know, when they would go for dinner. But when they would come back to the house, there was more fighting than normal. And because this woman is the type of woman that if she holds something inside, she blows. And that wasn't the kind of blow he wanted. But this is what happened. They finally reached a point where she got sick again. It was a reoccurrence of the first illness. He insisted that they go have a second opinion at another hospital in another state. She went. She felt he's probably right. But again, he was putting her in a lifestyle that only she could have if she was with him. She thought about this. How would I get to this other city if he wasn't in the picture? How could I afford to go back and forth to these hospitals like this? How would I be able to afford specialists that aren't under my insurance plan? These are the things that he was doing for her. Putting her in a position where she could not back out. Looking at what he did for her children. Tuition payments. Money given to her to pay her children. The last straw was sitting and talking, and they were just disagreeing on something. And he said something silly, defeating to himself. And her response to him was, why must you always shoot yourself in the foot? Why don't you just say what you mean and do it when it comes to me? I think she felt like he was always dancing around the pink elephant in the room. And he looked at her and he said, you know, you're right. And he got up and he left, and she breathed a sigh of relief. She called him while he was driving home, left a voice message saying, I really believe we need a break. We've needed a break from each other for a long time. Let's take it. 
It's not just me. It's both of us. It'll do us good. Let's leave each other alone for a couple months. He wrote back. He texted her back to her voice message. I agree. So let me just jump in for a minute and ask you if you're liking what you're hearing. And if you like other things that I've spoken with you about, could you take a minute and help a girl out? Just leave me a review on your iTunes page or your Audioboom page. Whatever platform you're listening on, there's a space that you can click some stars, you can offer a review, or you can make a comment about something I've said. Maybe tell me your life experience with the subject that I've been discussing. How do you like this story? Quick! Just when you're done listening, stop and take a minute. It's a big help. Shows me what you like and what you don't. Let's continue. Two, three weeks go by, and the woman is feeling 100% herself again. No more crushing on the chest. No more anxiety. She's finally able to be what she wants to be. She understands what limitations there are in her financial life. She's got to get back to living the way she was. And she's not heard from this man at all. So she assumed that they had a mutual agreement that it was over, which I think anybody would think. It was just time. And she decided to go on a few dating sites and test the waters. She went on one site that was in between an arrangement finder kind of site and plenty of fish kind of site. It wasn't anything scandalous, in other words. And she used the same profile for every single site she was on. There were four of them, like Plenty of Fish and this arrangement site. And same pictures, same profile. And she began to meet people, talking online, went out for a couple of drinks. You know, nothing was really turning her on, and she started to think that maybe she just wasn't ready. Then came the emails. There must have been six or seven emails in a row from this man that she received that were not only threatening, but humiliating. Calling her a slut, a whore, he saw her on this website, you've been cheating on me the whole time, acting like a lunatic, when... First of all, the woman had not been with anybody else. And secondly, it was her prerogative to go on these sites if she wanted to. They weren't seeing each other. Not as far as she was concerned. She was done. Whether it was a break or not, she realized she was done. He continued to harass her. This man that took such good care of her, supposedly, for three years, began to harass her, began calling her children began lying about her children to her and threatened to call every one of her bosses, call all the hospitals and doctors that she's affiliated with and tell them that she was involved with prostitution. (laughs) And he just went off the deep end. She wrote him back several times trying to calm him down because she had seen this side of him before, but this was the epitome of the worst. And she said to him, I really wish that you would take some time and rethink the way you're acting. You can't be serious that you think I would be out having sex with people on a site within a two- to three-week period. It's just not my style to do so. Not quickly like that. Not now. 
He came back harder and stronger and threatened her with the IRS and what she's going to have to pay on everything he had bought for her. And he's hiring an attorney that's out for blood, and he is going to take her down. So that woman sat there and thought, this is the man that I introduced to my children. This is the man that I brought home for Thanksgiving. Is this a sociopathic person? How could I have been so foolish? How could any person hate me so much? He continued with the threats. They became brutal. She finally wrote to him after keeping her cool the whole time and said, This will be the last of our communications. Please stop. I have enough. And what she meant by that was she was thinking about going to the police or calling an attorney to get some advice on how to walk away from this unharmed, keep her children safe, her job secure, after all the threats that he had thrown in her face, and she didn't hear from him for another day. She called a detective, and the detective said, if you did ask him to stop, and he didn't, then you call us back. Call 911 and have somebody come out and take a report, because that is after the fact of what he's written. She understood. The next day, around 4 or 5 o'clock, came a slew of disgusting texts that he had blind copied her on that were sent to her daughter. Sexual comments about the woman made to the woman's daughter. The daughter's boyfriend works for him. What kind of position could he have been putting this poor kid in? That was it. She called the police. They came out, they took a report, they looked at all the emails she had printed out, they looked at the texts, and they said, he is absolutely manic. Do you have an alarm system in this house? Do you have a gun in your house? She didn't know what to say. She wasn't a Southerner. She didn't know if it was legal or not legal to have a gun in the house. If somebody walks in your house, somebody that doesn't belong here, you have the right to shoot. When in doubt, you shoot. That's how seriously they took those emails. And she said, okay, knowing she probably could never do something like that. But at least it justified how she'd felt. She never heard from him again, but she did get a call the following day from a detective. A detective had gone through the report and wanted her version of what had gone wrong and what had happened. And she very logically explained the whole thing, told the complete truth. And he said, well, I'm going to call him next and let him know that we are aware of what's going on. And the one thing that went through her mind the most was her daughter's boyfriend that works for him. Very concerning as to what would happen to that young man. Well, she hung up the phone and she texted her soon-to-be son-in-law. And she said to him, stay away from him as, as much as you can today because he's going to be getting a phone call from a detective and he's going to fly off the handle. This just reminded me so much of that movie I saw years ago called War of the Roses. Now I know that she sits and she waits. She feels threatened. She feels frightened. 
She's waiting for the other shoe to drop, like as if the first shoe wasn't bad enough. I feel for her. I wish there was something I could do to make all of this go away. I wish she had never taken the first dime. But I guess the life lesson here is, you can't force somebody to fall in love with somebody else. And there's nothing worse than being the one that's in love with somebody that's not in love with them back. It's understood what kind of pain that can bring. But you can't squeeze somebody that tightly either. And she also told me that every single thing he bought her was itemized in a book, to the penny. And he would constantly tell her, do you know I've spent this much on you? And the next fight it would be, do you know I'm up to spending this much on you? It was the most controlling relationship she had ever been in. One month, two months, three, skip a few, nine, ten, a year later, this woman received a 1099 in the mail. Now, it's a different kind of 1099. It was called a non-employee 1099, which frightened her because it came from this man who had been her keeper, for lack of better words, and it was for a lot of money. Now, it was only for the last year that she had been seeing him, which was January through July. So that's a half a year. <laughs> and she thought to herself, I know damn well he spent more than that <laughs> just in six months. She was forced to hire an attorney, hire an accountant, do her taxes properly, include that with a special form saying she had never worked a day in her life for this man, she had never signed any papers, and there'd never been a verbal agreement that she owed him anything. Can you imagine the horror after she had been through all of that to have this piece of paper show up in the mail? It was very childish, but true to form, made her appreciate even more that she finally was able to leave him. And for that whole year after that breakup, she told me every time she left her house, she was afraid. She would look to the left, look to the right. She was nervous when she'd walk in her house at night because he was a very smart science kind of guy that knew how to get in, knew how to trip alarm systems, knew how to build alarm systems. He'd copied the gate opener by frequency to her previous apartment. It took a long time for her to regain any semblance of normalcy and peace. And when that piece of paper arrived in the mail, it sent her spiraling, not for a long period of time, but just long enough to have her remember how happy she was to be away from him. And the end result is, the accountant says it's bogus, the attorney says he feels it's bogus, and they felt it was a scare tactic done by a very small person. And now, she's free. Maybe. Time will tell. That is the story, and I'm sure there's more to come. I'll keep you up to date. But the next time somebody offers to buy you a car, <laughs> I think she would tell you, don't take it. <laughs>
No kidding. And she said no, but hey, we all get caught up in nonsense at some point in our lives, and I really do feel badly for both parties. And there you have it, the life of a very close friend of mine, up close and personal. I'd like to remind you how important your review is to me. Any story that I come to you with, if you like it, please click some stars or leave me a comment, at least just a review. How am I supposed to get any better if I don't have constructive criticism from you? Tell me which direction you like me to talk in. Sex, passion, storytelling, my book. I've got so much more coming up. Things that you just won't believe. But I'd love it if you could steer me in a certain direction. And don't forget, on Thursdays, I release chapters of The Diary of a Sugar Mom, written by me a couple years ago, and it was probably the hardest audiobook I have ever recorded, because it was my book. <laughs> but I think you'll like it. It's very stimulating, to say the least. Make sure you listen on Thursdays, iTunes, Audioboom, any podcast platform. And don't forget to leave me reviews. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. <laughs>